بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As to follows my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Tonight I want to answer with you a question that is very important and the question is how does one defeat laziness how does one overcome laziness? How does one fight laziness in his life? And especially when it comes into matters of worship. You know, the biggest problem we have with our worship is laziness. People don't wake up for Salat al-Fajr because of laziness. People do not continue their fasting after Ramadan because of laziness and because of its difficulty. They think it's difficult. Uh, and everything in life is like this. It's laziness that is the big problem. And as technology advances and develops in this life, laziness becomes even more and more. Right? When you have everything on the phone, when you can do everything on the phone, when you can do everything online, people become lazy. So how does one defeat laziness in life? And we need to understand that the road to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a long road. It's a long road and it's a difficult road as well. There's a lot of hardships on the road. And this is why, this is one of the wisdoms for why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made his house, Al-Kaaba. He made it in a desert. He commanded that it's built in a desert, in a place that is cut off from the world. You know, when you get there, it's difficult. The question is, why didn't Allah Azza wa Jal order and command for his house to be built on the coastline, next to the beach, on the shoreline, where there's greenery and yani, alhamdulillah, the weather, why, why not? Al-ulama rahimahumullah, they said, the road from here to Mecca is a difficult road, full of hardship, in a valley, it's difficult, it's hot. This is to teach us that that is the road to Allah. The road to Allah is full of difficulty. It's just like the road to Mecca. So as you undertake this journey to Mecca, it is supposed to teach you that's the road to Allah That's the difficulties that you'll encounter in life. So the idea is, how am I going to continue? And not allow laziness to be an obstacle before me in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the question we want to answer. How to defeat laziness. My brothers in Islam, we need to understand that the greatest purpose in life is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the greatest purpose in life. And this purpose to worship Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal made mention of it in the first surah of the Quran, which is Surah Al-Fatiha. What is the central ayah in Surah Al-Fatiha? It's Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'een. That's the central ayah. This ayah in Surah Al-Fatiha is actually a summary of in the entire Quran. As a matter of fact, it's a summary of the entire life of one person. We have been commanded by Allah that we declare on our tongue and in our heart that you alone we worship. Worship, that's the purpose. How do we worship? How does one worship Allah? What's the tool? What's the means to worship Allah? That no worship of Allah requires dedication. It requires commitment. It cannot be affected by laziness. The second half of the ayah tells us how we're going to fulfill this purpose. And that is, And you alone, we seek help. Even the purpose of life is to worship Allah. How are we going to worship Him? What's the means of worshiping Him? You need to always keep in your mind and in your heart, You alone, we're going to seek help when worshiping you. And that is the only way 
you're going to fulfill the purpose of worshiping Allah Azza wa Jal. And in brief, that is the answer. That you always seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help when it comes to your worship. And this is why from the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which he taught to Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu, he said to him, Ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuka fi Allah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching Mu'adh something. Listen to what he teaches him. He says, فَلَا تَدَعَنَّ دُبُرَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ أَن تَقُولْ He's teaching him a dua. He said to him, Oh Mu'adh, I love you for the sake of Allah. And that has its effect on itself. This is a statement that is يعني, teaching us Nabi Sallallahu how he used to deal with his companions. Look at the love and the mercy and the compassion he had. He wants to teach him something important. He said to him, do not leave out after every salat that you say and make this dua. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Al-ulama rahimahumullah, they say that this dua is supposed to be said at the end of the salat before at taslim before you make a salam and you exit the salat make the last dua you say allahumma a'inni ala dhikrik oh allah give me the power and the strength and the ability to remember you give me the ability because on my own i cannot do it um, if i if if i was to rely on my own ability i would fail because i'm lazy but give me the ability to remember you. And the best of dhikr to Allah is the one that makes gratitude of Allah. And to thank you. And the best of gratitude shown to Allah. The excellent worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To master and perfect your worship. So you're asking Allah azza wa jal in this dua to give you the strength and the ability to remember him. To be grateful to him. And these two should lead to husni ibadatik, to perfect the worship for Allah Azza wa This is a dua you're supposed to say after every salat. This is five times. And even in your sunan at the end of the salat, you're supposed to say it. And in this dua, you are acknowledging that if you were left on your own, you'd be able to do nothing. You know, now my brothers in Islam, I share with you something else. This is a dua that you're asking Allah to give you the ability and the strength to worship Him. You know, in the, in the Adhan, when the, the caller makes the Adhan, we're supposed to repeat after the Mu'addin what he says. If he says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, what are we supposed to say? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. When does it change? And Hayya ala salat Hayya ala al-Falah. When the Mu'addin says, Hayya ala salah which means, come to Salah. The Mu'addin is calling all of us. He's saying, come to Salah. Hayya ala al-Falah. Come to success. Come. A salat is success. What are we supposed to say? We don't say Hayya ala salat. He's calling us to salat. We don't say you Hayya ala salat. We say La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. You know why? I'll tell you why. La hawla means I have no ability. I have no will. It's as though you're saying, He's telling you, come to salat. And you're saying that. I have no ability to come to salah. La hawl. I have no way to come to salah. Wala quwa. And I have no strength and no ability to come to salat whatsoever. Illa billah. Except if Allah was to give me permission. And you repeat this again when he says, Hayya ala al-falah. When you say, La hawla wa la quwata illa billah, you're acknowledging your weakness. The Mu'addin is calling you to come to Salat and you are, you are told by Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to say, 
tell him, no way. There is no way for me to come to Salat. And there is no strength for me to come to Salat. Illa billah, except if Allah was to give me this strength and ability to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the word la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is the greatest dhikr you're going to say when you're seeking Allah's help to continue in your worship and to defeat laziness. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah he says that the people use the word la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah incorrectly. They use it incorrectly. He said people use it when there's a disaster or a calamity they're facing. Something of trouble happened. Incorrect usage. When trouble happens, you say, Inna lillahu inna ilayhi raji'oon. Ula hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is a dhikr you're supposed to say when you're feeling down, when you're feeling lazy. When the mu'adhan is saying, come to salat, when you're being called to come to the goodness, when a fundraiser is being called and people are urged and encouraged to give money to worship, Say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and engage in the worship. You will find that Allah Azza wa Jal, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the ability. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, babun min abwaabil jannah. It's a door of the doors of the paradise. Meaning anyone who says it, it'll make the worship easy for him. And as a result, the door of the paradise opens for him. النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يسأل لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله كنز من كنوز الجنة. That it is a treasure, a chest of the treasures of the paradise. What does that mean? Do you know the entire paradise is a treasure? But when النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم says that this word is a treasure in the paradise, meaning is it is a treasure compared to the treasure that's already in the paradise. And you understand something. Its reward is huge. That's what it means. That the reward of this word is so huge. It's a door of the paradise on its own. For the one who continuously used to say it. You know a kanz, a treasure, a treasure box. What's in a treasure box? What's inside a treasure box? Money, gold, valuable gold. It's already collected for you. You don't have to collect it. In other words, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. العلماء رحمهم الله they said this one phrase collects a lot of meanings within it. When you say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله, it affirms the fact that you are relying on Allah عز وجل. There's reliance of Allah inside this statement. When you say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله, تدل على الافتقار إلى الله. It also implies that you are acknowledging your weakness before Allah Azza wa Jal. There's so many meanings within La Hawla wa La Quwata illa billah. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in a hadith that La Hawla wa La Quwata illa billah, tahta al-arsh. It's underneath the arsh. Taib, I ask you a question. What's written on top of the arsh? And pay attention so you can learn something incredible in this. What's written on top of the arsh? Who knows? There's something written on top of the arsh. Allah wrote it and it's a book and He stored it on top of the arsh. It's a few words. Allah Azza wa Jal wrote, Inna rahmati sabaqat ghadabi. That's on top of the arsh. It means Allah Azza wa Jal said, My mercy, my mercy precedes my anger. 
My mercy overrides my anger. That's on top of the arsh. Underneath the arsh, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. What's the relationship between the two? On top of the arsh, Allah is teaching us how He deals with the servants, how He deals with us. He deals with us with mercy and compassion. And under the arsh, what is written is how we are supposed to deal with Allah. And that is that we cannot do anything except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and aid and support. From the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to say, Allahumma hdini, oh Allah guide me. He didn't used to stop there. He used to say, wa yassiril hudali, and make guidance easy for me. Do you know for us, a lot of the times it's very easy that we ask Allah azzawajal to make our worldly life matters easy. You're going through a difficulty. You see a brother, brother, make Allah, make dua that Allah makes it easy for me. Someone is struggling to get married. Brother, ask Allah that he makes it easy for me. Someone is going to court tomorrow. Brother, please don't forget me in your dua. Make dua that Allah makes it easy for me. Someone's going through financial difficulty. Oh Allah, make my affairs easy for me. That's good. That's required. But what about your worship? How come? The 100 Salat al-Fajr you missed. You didn't even care to ask after it. Oh Allah, help me to get up for Salat al-Fajr. And the Quran that you're reading and you keep stuttering and you just gave up. Why didn't you ask Allah to make Al-Quran easy for you to read? Why didn't you ask Allah Azzawajal ease in Islamic religious matters? Why is it always asking Allah ease in this worldly life? You know why? Then the heart has been corrupted. Khalas. The heart only looks at worldly matters. That's all it's caring about. And the, the honest, the bottom line honesty is we don't care about the worship. We don't care. If we cared, we would have asked. We would have said, Make guidance easy for me. Make it easy upon me that I get up and attend Salat al-Jama'ah and pray with the congregation of the Muslims. Make it easy for me that I continue my fasting after Ramadan. How come that's not included in the dua? Then we need to learn that this is supposed to be an integral part of our life. That we continuously and consistently ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He help us and aid us in our worship. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he says, تَأَمَّلْتُ فِي أَنْفَعِ الدُّعَاءِ Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, when he speaks, we're speaking about someone who had a huge look into the deen of Allah. Someone who Allah Azza wa Jalla gave him she intelligence and intellect. And listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I sat for a long time. And I pondered. And I pondered. And I reflected time and time again. What is the most beneficial dua for us? That's what he's saying. He said, so I found and I concluded that the most beneficial dua for us is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability and the strength that we worship Him. Then He said, and I found it in Surah Al-Fatiha, when Allah azza wa jal said, وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ This is it, this is the dua, this is how you defeat laziness. Because I tell you something, defeating laziness doesn't have anything to do with physical ability. I'll prove it to you. You have a 20 year old, he can't get up for Salat al-Fajr. He can't do anything of the worship. 
you have a 95 year old he's praying on time salat al-jama'ah he's fasting he's making dhikr what was the difference was the difference in body strength no it wasn't it was here and it was here that's where it was you might have two 20 year olds how come one worships one doesn't worship because one Allah Azzawajal gave him the ability gave him the strength of the heart to worship and the other wasn't given any strength of the heart understand bottom line that the lesson the idea of the lesson is to increase your heart in the understanding that you are supposed to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you aid and help in worshiping him subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is the entire life that's that's what it's all about it's all about who's going to continue to worship Allah until the last day who who's going to continue in this road he said that there are people that fall in love so much with the worship that they desire this worship for them to be in, the, in their grave as they're in their grave. Al hadith and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says, as Ibn Majah rahimahullah he collects, and Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu he said, that Ida dakhal al mayyitul qabr, when the dead person is put in his grave, he sees that the sun is setting. Allah shows him that the sun is setting. The ulama rahimahumullah said that this is an implication that he sees that his life has come to an end. Just like when the sun sets, the day finishes and then the night approaches. And in the night people sleep and for him sleep is a long sleep, which is death. So the angels, they finish questioning him and they go and he, يقوم فيجلس, he sits in his grave. He wipes away the dirt, the fresh dirt that has just come on him. He wipes it away from his eye. And then he says, Leave me now and let me pray. And how much was he in love with our salat and the worship that Allah did not deprive him from this worship even in his grave. Even in his grave, he's praying. Even we need to understand, where did this come from? This came because people like this understood the importance of always asking Allah to make worship easy for them. And that once again, my brothers and sisters in Islam, in conclusion, two things. Number one, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. That's the dua and the dhikr for it. And it better be on your tongue day and night, day and night, which is la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This is a dhikr that bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Once you say it, you have acknowledged your weakness. You have said, I have got no ability whatsoever, except if you were to give me this ability. And even sabr, you need sabr. Well, sabr itself, where does it come from? You think sabr is self-acquired? Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَاصْبِرْ وَمَا صَبْرُكَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ And how incredible Allah says, and be patient. But your patience can only be through Allah. Your patience can only be, because patience is a worship. It can only be through Allah. For even you make plenty of this dhikr, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. And we conclude with one more hadith, and that is the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in where he says, there was one night, in where, yani this is the journey that he took from Mecca to Bayt al-Maqdis, which is known as what? What's the journey? Huh? Al-Isra only. Al-Mi'raj is when he went up to the heaven. Al-Isra is the trip from Mecca to Bayt al-Maqdis. 
And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says on that night when he undertook this journey and then he went from Bayt al-Maqdis to As-Sama in the seventh heaven, who did he meet? What prophet? Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he had his back to a house. What was that house called? Al-Bayt al-Ma'mur. Al-Bayt al-Ma'mur is a house that Allah Azza wa Jal made for Ibrahim alayhi salam in the paradise in reward for the house he built on earth, which is the Kaaba. And he's got his back on it. And that's how Rasulullah met him. Well, Bayt al-Ma'mur is a house that 70,000 angels enter it every day. They worship Allah and they never return to it. But anyway, this is a meeting between who? Rasulullah and Ibrahim Two of the best creation of Allah to ever walk the face of this earth. And this is the first ever meeting. Yani in other words, this is the most historical, historic meeting that ever, ever happened between the two greatest men that ever walked the face of this earth. This is the most, this, yani, this is it. This is the peak of conversations. You know what they spoke? What did they say to each other? Yani, they didn't speak about politics. They did not speak about economical situation on earth. Now we're going to solve it. They didn't speak about the environment and how we're going to solve the environment on earth. None of that is relevant. What they spoke about is supposed to teach you and I that that's the most important subject on her on earth and in history. There are two narrations. I share with you the other narration that concerns us. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he said to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, Ya Muhammad, Mur ummataka an yukthiru min ghirasi al-jannah. O Muhammad, Go and command your nation that they that they plant so much in the paradise. Plant a lot in the paradise. What does that mean? For Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to him, Wama How do we plant the paradise? For Ibrahim Alayhi Salam, he said to him, La hawla wa la illa billah That this word is that which plants for you plants in the paradise conversation was over in a few seconds that's it it was done teaching us that this is the core of life this dhikr because this dhikr it's going to fuel your worship with Allah Azza and as a result secure and earn that place for you in Jannatul Firdaus we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an yahdiyana wa yuyassir al-huda lana and we ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala an yu'inana ala dhikrihi wa shukrihi wa husni ibadatih إنه ولي ذلك والقدر عليه وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين